The theme for the afternoon talk is finding our way with the future. <coughs> Just before uh, giving reference to the uh, talk, or so yesterday evening has a very slight connection with the talk. <laughs> it might come to me as I talk. Um, so yesterday evening after the inquiry, um, I made the uh, pilgrimage over to Wolfgang's uh, room uh, there in the uh, other building to look at the television set. And um, so having mercifully missed nearly all of the first half because I was in here, um, and I watched the last few minutes and then the second half of this england Columbia match. Have, have you mentioned it at all? Huh? Didn't you, did you mention it? No. Um, yeah, yeah. It yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I got more another result. Uh, and so we watched the, uh, the match in between yawns and looking out the window, and time to time I w w went off, and it's true, I washed a couple of clothes, you know, had a leak, you know, looked outside, wandered back in, it was... In fact, the match itself, I would say there's more, in the 45 minutes of the second half, there's more excitement in the meditation hall. <laughs> for, for, for a 45 minute sitting <laughs> perhaps we should hold that World Cup <laughs> so then at, in the 95th minute of this match the uh, Colombians, bless them scored uh, uh, a goal there I was bitterly disappointed, not because they had scored a goal, because it meant it's going to be another half an hour <laughs> of si uh, sitting through. And the most exciting moment of the whole match was in the 95th minute. But it wasn't the good Colombian player scoring a, a really fine uh, goal. It was in the very moment, beloved uh, Wolfgang, the uh, director here, suddenly moved his arms to clap and forgot that he's got an injured elbow and he went ow and we all turned away and looked at Wolfgang and, and with real concern and so in an hour, hour and a half of sitting there that was the only exciting moment that we, that we uh, uh, witnessed so in terms of the, the, the future, we were kind of waiting for it to be over. <laughs> well, uh, then we could go to bed. So we, we stayed through, didn't we? we just did, uh, it's called survival. So anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> so that's that story. So uh, <laughs> speak a little bit about present to future. And there are a variety of uh, aspects uh, uh, to this. So... Uh, you, I've just been talking about you. That's what I thought. <laughs> did, did you hear? <laughs> All right. Tempted to repeat it, uh, Wolfgang. I, I mentioned, Wolfgang, that the most exciting moment of our endurance in the, over there listening to the match last night was in the 95th minute, and it wasn't the Colombian goal, it was your ow! <laughs> when you moved and he forgot his injured elbow. <laughs> so, there's the inner life, and the inner life, it moves between three fields of time. It's called past, present and future. And there is a wish, understandably and humanly enough, to reside, to dwell, to abide more with the living present. And the opportunity for that comes with energy, interest, focus, priority, curiosity, inquiry, receptivity. And a human being who is well grounded in care and attention to the living present, that centering and grounding 
that takes place is in order as well to be receptive to yesterday and yesteryear and tomorrow and next decade and, and even future generations. So sometimes we hear, it's not an ideology of the Dharma, but we do hear, and it's said with some conviction by spiritual teachers uh, there, that there is only uh, the now. And this view is propagated very, very strongly and very easily it is interpreted as a truth, as the reality, as the way things uh, are there. This, I would regard it as an error of judgment, uh, a very questionable uh, viewpoint and also a very restrictive one. So if a person adopts this view, sometimes one sees attributed to the Buddha, which is nowhere in 10,000 discourses uh, there, it means that it tends to undermine, almost to the point of non-existence, reducing it to a thought there, both the past and the future. And that exaggeration of the here, here and now disconnects it, disassociates it and gives it in Dharma language selfness. It makes it a thing, being in the here and now is a thing, becomes a thing to be in. It's not a liberation teaching. Some of us do not want to be stuck in the here and now, frankly. But more importantly than that, is while respecting and giving care uh, to uh, the living present, while there is value in it, we also, and it's so precious, to be respectful equally to the past. And the past which we give respect to is both the recent past, so that might require from us some real reflection, that means in actual terms, experiential terms, I leave the moment, I leave the now, I put the attention to the past, whatever, because the present is an outcome of the past. It doesn't come out of the blue. It doesn't, there is nothing in it which is absolute about it. So sometimes we need, as I mentioned, to really look at what are the conditions in the past, recently, which led up to the present. Because the present cannot and never be self-existent. It has to be an outcome of what has been before. One can't take the present and say it's got no relationship to the past. Of course it's got a relationship to the past. The past is the main contribution to uh, it. So when you and I not always necessary, look to the past. Hopefully, the intentionality, the interest, what way can the recent past shed some light, that's the mindfulness, consciousness, on the present so I can understand it better? And that may be from personal experience. You may have a beautiful or a difficult communication with your lover, with your boss, with your employee, with your teacher, whoever it might be there, and we want to have the capacity after the event of, oh I need to look at this, something was very insightful and inspiring, it touched me, I need to look at this this really hurt me, this was really painful, this was the terrible conflict I got into so by the willingness and the wisdom to look to the past, we see the relationship to the present but the teachings go much further than that. The, the teachings are genuinely interested, as well as the very best of our evolutionary scientists and uh, others, to really have an acknowledgement of the long distant past. And there are plenty of references in the Buddha's teachings to the long distant past. And speaking of the, the generations, generations of exploration, of inquiry, the generations, the past Buddhas, 
there, the way things developed and evolved. And part of the reason for, for that recognition of that, it helps in the natural world and contributes to getting our life in a perspective. We are in a movement of life, and you and I, in the short span we have, we are the current and present generations, which is an evolution. It's a movement, a process that's coming out of the past, long, long, long distant past. There. And the scientific evidence and uh, there shows that uh, movement. And there is much, despite all the tragedies and the horrors um, in our lifetime and in our parents' lifetime, in our grandparents' lifetime, in their grandparents, in all the horrors that have gone on in this world, yet nevertheless, the benefits that you and I experience, the support, a certain securities that we have, a certain community that we uh, uh, have, is because of the tremendous dedication, commitment, compassion, concern, thoughtfulness that have gone on in the previous generations to bring us to where we are now. And that, that needs our gladness. That needs our gratitude. And it needs our, needs our appreciation. And if you and I are just convinced about or just being in the now, we close off the heart. We'll block out the heart. Because, oh, there's the past, it's nothing. It's just a thought, it's just a memory. It's all happening in the here and now. And Or even our thoughts of the past and the future are all happening in the here and now. It undermines something deep. To pay recognition and, and to be respectful of this whole movement of life and the whole dynamic of it. And we're in this rhythm and to allow ourselves to be in it to stay with it and pass out of it gracefully. And if sometimes we can find some time to reflect on this great movement, as I say, it helps to put our life, our modest, small life and the things of our life into a perspective because we have a much bigger sense of it. Unless you and I, in the looking at the three fields of time. Unless you and I have a bigger perspective, and that's where these three fields of time can be so helpful. If we have a bigger perspective on, of, of the eternal, shall we call it today, have a bigger perspective about that, then our involvement in this world, our biological involvement, our engagement, our evolution in this, uh, well, we, we can have a real sense of that because it's authentic and it's authenticity because we give it the time to reflect on it if we have that sense it will also contribute as well to this relationship to the, the future and it is important once uh, again, to have both the bigger picture which is part of our perspective and also the modest picture of the relationship you and I have to tomorrow, to the day after, to the years ahead, to the next generations. And it is important that we make some time and space in our life for the bigger picture, for this whole extraordinary event called life that is going on. So you say, okay, what's my relationship? as a human being, to the bigger picture, to the generations. And one of the things about that, for those of us who are interested in a sustainable world and interested in giving as much support as we can to our children and our grandchildren, that means all children in that respect, and future generations, they have to look at and speak about things which are really important from the standpoint of the bigger picture. And when one enters into that, the unknowns are immense, of course. But in the, all the unknowns, as a human being, 
who wishes to experience being integrated with life rather than self, 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 self integrated with life there is and part of the same word here an integrity that goes with it what is meant by that is as a human being in very modest ways I can sow small seeds of sustainability I can talk about it I can look at my lifestyle I can see what I can conserve I can live a modest way of life I can help to make things last much longer uh, I can express my concern about the plastics in the ocean in our seas and rivers I can, about the pollution in the air about the loss of our natural resources and in the uh, Kai we were talking the scientists have worked out for a sustainable world roughly roughly how much energy is required uh, over the course of a, of a year to keep the world sustainable uh, there and what has been you probably have read about this what has been realised by the month of May we have consumed all the energy which would be needed for the whole year it's gone and it's going to take from uh, us uh, a real care and looking and, fi and finding ways and the actuality of that is for us as a human being living this biological natural uh, life with some sense of the vulnerability of life that our action and our decisions we will never in our lifetime really see the benefit of I may initiate as a human being individually and collectively something precious to give support to the future I just read in the space of some weeks in southern India people got together and planted uh, a million trees yeah. there are people who are really dedicated to helping clean up this planet and it genuinely is possible and some wonderful initiatives are taking place uh, uh, here in Germany it is regarded internationally as one of the foremost thinking uh, places with, reg with regard to sustainability, energy conservation, the use of the wind, the use of the sun and much more and of course we all know here as elsewhere has a long way to go as a human being in all of this uh, there, we initiate we start we make it a real theme in our life because we're not attached and clinging to the now and in that expression of that as I say the result the fruit we may probably will not know but it still has a great integrity to it because it shows compassion it shows love it shows concern for the children in the world and the, and the, the little ones and the new generations uh, the, and the babies to be etc and we have this tremendous task there because I do not think it's an understatement to say we genuinely with scientific evidence not religious belief systems we live in a very critical period and when my friends were leading a yatra in the Himalayas they said um, in the saying in the villages yeah, speaking a little bit about this and the people in the villages said we read about it you know the science and the, all the evidence for it and they said we don't need scientists to tell us that just look at that glacier in the space of one generation it shrunk by 70 or 80 percent no none of us none of the generations have ever seen anything like that and there are multiple examples of this we, we, we sense it in ourselves there's a critical times in which we live
Not, we don't need the scientists are helpful, bless them for it, but we can see it. So it's not just future about me, it's a larger sense as as well. And that's part of the Dharma dialogue. It is part of the discourse uh, as well. But then we come with regard to ourselves, with regard to uh, the, the, the future. And it is another um, important area for exploration uh, there. And it's extraordinary thing with the, uh, with the future. It's a kind of huge empty space. And the human mind, being eccentric and bizarre, there is this huge empty space and we can put anything into it. Anything. And when there is a little bit of pressure or boredom or tension into this huge empty space we or, or whatever we'll put all manner of thoughts and ideas into it uh, uh, there and so to watch the mindfulness here in terms of the future relationship is clear as possible what in that vast emptiness called the future what do I put into it there and to be especially watchful with regard to it in terms of the feeling, thought, picture and image that goes with it. Feeling, thought, picture, image, memory that goes with it. And if you and I haven't looked at the relationship of the past to the present and we haven't looked at the present relationship to the future there will be a gap and said so there's the present it is not going let's say as one would wish why should it it's called life not a picnic and so sometimes because it's difficult in the present the unpleasant feeling association then drifts, moves into the future but it carries a feeling with it and the feeling, emotion or thought with it may be in two different, primarily in two different ways. There are those um, I tend to refer to them sometimes as the Obamas of the world. <laughs> and the present is a difficulty, it's clearly uh, obvious, and the outcome of that is to give, through the pleasant feeling, hope. You know, we used to hear it from Obama like a mantra. <clears throat> hope. Change. Hope. And so there's something pleasant. Oh yes, life is difficult, it's problematic, we'll live on hope. And it made a contribution to the current occupant of the United States. <coughs> that single view. It was unreal, out of touch. Tragic story. Sometimes, for some, and when that hope is, has a gap, between the living present and the future, the shadow, to use a Jungian term, of hope will be disappointment. It's a disappointment with the real. So some people may be having a hard time or having a great time. Out of that comes some thought of the future. And so for some people, wow, things are going on incredibly well the imagination comes in my god my business is doing brilliantly well etc you know my marriage is wonderful my kids are great and it's just getting better and better all the time watch out the storm is coming and you won't be able to deal with it because you've been living in a fantasy 
of hope and positivity and things will just get better and better and better and better (laughs) (laughs) and with that when the hope is built and then it crashes in life uh, there and it ends up in disappointment because the imagination has built up uh, this hope based on a really pleasant, nice feeling I'm not denying uh, that unrealistic, but nice but then we are much less well equipped to deal when things haven't worked out as we wish didn't go as we planned and we think the disappointment and the hurt and the feelings of failure have to do with the event with oh that it didn't work out for me now I feel so hurt and disappointed and I feel a failure and I'm, I'm useless and, and I shouldn't have been born and I'm mistaken the evolution and whatever it might, it might be it may have very little to do with the event some, very little it's much more likely to have done with the problem of hope and projection and expectation and desire and wanting and that caused more trauma than the event we associate it with the event no, it's associated more, sometimes more clearly with being out of touch and then we find we can't cope with an event we're not ready for it we're not skilled enough we're not insightful we're not present enough and for others watch the feelings here if it's not the pleasant it could be the unpleasant also can be a bit of a horror story as well so where there's the unpleasant thing happens to us whatever that might be about and there's some discomfort yes of course some uh, regret uh, yes some feeling of sadness yes all too human responses when things are not working out well for us but the tendency there it influences it and with the tendency when something's not working out well for us the outcome of that because of the tendency oh dear it's only going to get worse so those have the positive oh it's going to get better and better and better or to compensate that it's difficult you have to know yourself you've got to look at yourself with this you know I'm just giving some examples and for some oh it's not worked out it really didn't happen and then in, in comes the tendency which is given a truth oh it's, I can just tell it's just going to get worse and 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 yeah. it could be almost wish fulfilling the very attitude towards the weight of it's going to get worse makes it worse because we're not ready we're not emotionally equipped we're not exploring we're not meditating we're not concentrated there uh, and given the fullness of presence and, we, and because of that we extend in an unhealthy way into the future pleasant and unpleasant sometimes hope and fear disappointment Sometimes when I was a monk in the in the hut, in in the forest, um, nothing special about it, and not unusual. Um, creatures would enter into the hut. Why not? They were there long before the monks. We were we're the guests. They're the long-term residents over thousands of years, and 
Sometimes there would be the, the spider, the scorpion, the snake, or, or, or whatever. And sometimes one just couldn't imagine actually how they ever even got into the heart. Uh, and it wouldn't be unusual that uh, sometimes, that sometimes in the experience uh, uh, there, the cobra, to take uh, uh, an example here, in the hut, if it was in the hut, it was very, at least for me as a novice in these things, with snakes, it was hard to know if it was a cobra or a rat snake. The scale of the, the snake is rather similar, dark grey kind of colour, etc. And sometimes the only way that we know that it was a cobra, if it was irritated and its head expanded, whoa, oh, okay. Your cobra, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and uh, it's remarkable how much present one can be when you've got a snake in front of you, and the mind just doesn't wonder. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes it was the rat snake, which is non-poisonous. Uh, and that also would sometimes they they would be in the hut. The relationship to the event is the important thing. That there's a natural samadhi, mindfulness, clarity, presence, etc. They're totally there because you've got a companion uh, there. And both of you want to leave, but if you do, you might irritate the other. So you're rather still. Yeah, like a quality of stillness like most people never achieve in meditation maybe <laughs> maybe, we, maybe Wolfgang should see if he can get hold of some snakes to put in the hall it will <laughs> make a huge contribution to the practice and but it's the same <laughs> it's a good idea actually <laughs> <laughs> But in a way, we need the same vigilance with regard to the way we think about the future. It could be a harmless rat snake. We need time to think about the future. We need time to forget the here and now and to plan and to organise. None of us could be here without quite a lot of organisation and planning from all of us and then of course the beautiful centre itself all the preparation fixing of dates in this case for Nicole and I and other uh, uh, teachers and practitioners over a year, 18 months you know, for this to, these events to uh, take place so organisation and planning is a real, uh, really important feature of human life and therefore the future includes that but it still takes mindfulness. It still takes clarity. It still takes the vigilance of watching the snake, meaning the thought about the future, which in some way is an avoidance of the present, or an exaggeration of it, or a fear of it, or a hope. We just want to watch for those. And if we find ourselves thinking too much about the future we could ask ourselves why have I lost interest in the living present what is it in the future that's going to be so different from today eyes and ears nose, tongue and touch we're not all that different from each other yeah. I haven't yet met a person in this world whose eyes are not above the nose and the mouth is not beneath it. <laughs> We're not that different. And it's quite remarkable that sometimes, despite tiny little differences in eyes, nose, ears, mouth or whatever, we actually recognise each other. Well, sometimes, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> One forgets, obviously, but just tiny little differences but there's enough mindfulness and clarity to know each other to recognise uh, uh, each other 
we need the same clarity to recognize what is going on in our relationship to the past, to the present and to the future. Just to know the detail which makes it clear for us. And now mindfulness and practice. So when we come to the third uh, uh, tetrad there, that oh, I've got, got my glasses. It's a miracle. I don't know those of you who wear glasses, not young ones, you've got a generation to go before you enter the glass club. <laughs> uh, uh, quite phenomenal with glasses. And uh, one of the signs of getting uh, uh, older, one has a, a, f- a fair few proof that one's getting older. And two, two, two of mine which come to mind, my grandson was, when he was about five or six, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. It was on a, on a rather rainy day. He was going to the nearby school, the primary school. There. So it's ten minutes to nine. It's only a few hundred metres away. We walk out of the house. There. You, you would think after... I was supposed to have been in my 60s uh, then. You would think after 60 years, one, one would be mindful enough to remember things. It's raining. Not hardly it's raining. We walk out the back, down the path, in the corner of the house, well, down the down the down the track. And I'm holding my little grandson's hand. And he looked up and he said, Granddad, can I tell you something? And I said, Yes. He said, You've got your slippers on. After hearing that, I wasn't sure if I should go into therapy or not. <laughs> I looked down. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then another, another, another incident as well. I don't know if it's happened to you, maybe I'm a bit off the wall. I'm looking for my glasses. I had three pairs in the in the house because you know, they cost a pound. And I went from the kitchen upstairs looking for the my glasses. It's sad, really. They were on the end of my nose. <laughs> I said, "God, Christopher, etc." Mm. Which is rather sad to hear from a mindfulness teacher, isn't it? <laughs> So sometimes in our forgetfulness, the important thing here, the smaller things are uh, living things. It's the recognition of forgetfulness uh, there. So something which needed to be done in the recent past, slippers to shoes, you know, in the real present, see what's happening, going on. Uh, or whatever, how very easily in the absence of the mindfulness to see it clearly, take note of it. But if you don't see clearly and take notice of it, reaction will come. Oh, to another. Oh, you promised me and you forgot. (sighs) Anger. You said we would meet for a coffee at this time and you didn't turn up and I was waiting for you for ages. Anger and blame. I forgot to do this. Oh my goodness me. I mean, years ago, somebody was driving down 100, must be 100, 150 kilometres from Glastonbury, a kind of sister town, to have a meeting with me in the coffee shop. I completely forgot to put it in the diary. And the person didn't have the phone. Drove all the way down, didn't turn up drove back home, sent me a, uh, an email, and I still apologise. So sometimes in life we forget, and we make apology. Sometimes in life, in our relationship to ourselves, uh, there, uh, we forget. It needs a mindfulness and a clarity to acknowledge the truth of it, to have some insight and understanding of it it is no point in beating ourselves up one cannot learn 
from our experience by giving ourselves a hard time. One cannot learn from it either by ignoring it. Mindfulness and meditation and the processes there will contribute to seeing what is and as the Buddha commented and a very important point to remember in life one is mindful of what is these are the words mindful of what is present and in life one is mindful of what is not present and sometimes what is not present is mattering more to us than what is present we wish to be clear about that what is not present if in the life the relationship to from present to uh, future if you and I are kind of contracted around something whatever it is there health money another person if we're tightly contracted around its strength will trouble us in the present no you might be contracted around being mindful of not what is not present mindful of not being in a relationship mindful of not having children mindful of not having the right qualifications <coughs> mindful of not having a job many things in the relationship we give of course plenty of care to what we are mindful of past present and future we also take an interest in those moments of human experience when something is not present for us but it is having some influence and impact can i live with life clearly and wisely with what is present it with life and what is not present if you can you're liberated if you can you're genuinely a free human being because you can live with life with what is present and what is not present and we have the freedom to to respond to that to what is present and what is not present and it why because life is regularly a meeting with it will involve what is present at times and will involve what is not present and if we notice there is a contraction around the present will not be big enough to hold it and said if we're really tight around something whatever the issue may be it will have an impact on our thinking the present will not be big enough it will have to go to the future because the present can't we can't hold it with the present so we start thinking about our future and maybe worrying about it some anxiety about it aging sickness death loss not having there if there is a contraction around we work with that but please remember like as we said yesterday life outside the contraction and life outside of the contraction is good by a simple word happiness it's called gladness it's called joy it's called spaciousness and if we give more attention to life outside the money outside the big project outside of uh, our fixation that opening up to life outside of that will have a significant influence on the contraction because the contraction 
is dependent on you thinking about it, obsessing about it. So if I start to think, hey, there's life outside of that, there, this, the contraction will shrink. It has to. For its continuity, one's got to be clinging and holding to it. And this, finally, how am I doing for time here? Oh no, it's galloping by, it's 4.48, I was just warming up. (laughs) 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 So there's a lovely, uh, in the the, the tetrad here, um, genuinely is a kind of reminder in different ways. The Buddha says, experiencing the mind. So today, experiencing the mind in relationship to past, present and future. Experience it. See it clearly. Work with it. The second is the recognition of gladness. And uh, earlier, Nicole took you through a a, a precious uh, exercise just to remember all that in life we can feel glad about. Let the heart remember that. Let our faces experience that let the warmth come all the things glad that means gladness thankfulness gratitude uh, appreciation happy that something happened or is happening has the potential to happen or whatever so all that's in this field of gladness and all the all this exploration of that it also con contributes, as the Buddha said, people who experience gladness and happiness, such people are able to concentrate their mind most easily. Sometimes when we're unhappy, when we're confused, when there's a lot of stuff going on, it's like, you know, I just can't concentrate on anything. I just feel so out of touch. There's so much going on in my life. There's so much stress. I want to do this. I want to do that. But these mental hindrances and this just occupies me. I just can't get it together to concentrate on things which are important and precious. So the shift, even in difficulties of life, the shift to the recognition of gladness and happiness and the small things of life and letting ourselves be touched with those, not just for the joy that it brings, but the energy and the relaxation allows us to concentrate. And that contributes, as the the Tetrad says there, to freeing up the mind. Mind means heart and mind. So I see what is contracted. I see if it extends into the future. I'm very clear about what I am contracted about. I name it. This I am contracted uh, around. I want to see if I can change my relationship to that which I am contracted around. I want to be at the same time recognise that which is outside of the contraction and be receptive to that. I want to be able to be clear about the things of life, to be glad and happy about, this contributes to a sustainable world, because I am less demanding. I see all of that is freeing up the heart and mind. Experiencing heart and mind, past, present and future. Experiencing the gladness. there, Contributing to concentrating on what matters. And recognise, the mind is freeing itself up. It's liberating itself from these contractions. Ah, now I'm beginning to understand what the Buddha is speaking about when he speaks about liberation. It's actually much closer than I realise. Sometimes I feel very free. Sometimes, as a human being, we don't feel contracted. We have a taste feeling free and untroubled and unbothered. We know what that is. It's not like it's some distant metaphysic. We, we can know it. 
And we want that appreciation, that understanding and the gladness. Actually, we can know that as the norm of our daily life experience. And when there's some contraction around something that you and I might have, because the norm is outside of the contractions, when it comes, whoa, whoa, what's that? And as the, the Buddha commented with this, those who live wisely and free lives, he said, cannot hide their failings or their conditioning or their patterns or their contractions. He said, one cannot hide these contractions from oneself nor from others. The system, the being, is open enough. We can't hide it from ourselves. It will show itself clearly, which is a sign of health. And others will say, oh, a bit contracted around that, aren't you? <laughs> and we need each other. That's what the Sangha is for. The gladness is for each other and the willingness to point out the contract. Okay, let's have our quiet minutes. Shall we? May all beings explore the three fields of time. May all beings recognize the importance of gladness and gratitude. May all beings live free and mindful lives. <coughs> 